So, welcome to my studio. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Let's let's talk Bitcoin Park for a second because this is an absurd thing. Is it like th this is just Soho House for Bitcoiners? It's better than Soho House, though, right? Like, is that was that an offensive statement? No, no, no. Did you I, mean I, that critically? I, I meant it as a compliment. To Thank you. Guys. you. Like, what you guys are trying to build here is truly remarkable. I mean, this double house situation. So which, we, yeah, we, yeah. I mean, we joke around at being like similar to Soho House in that you have memberships and you have private spaces. You can work. You can meet. You can collaborate. We can podcast. You can party. You can podcast. We have podcast studios all over. Um, I think the big difference with between us and and Soho House, the way I think about Bitcoin Park, is that Bitcoin Park is really a community initiative. Um, so it's primarily for supporting Bitcoin and grassroots Bitcoin adoption and supporting the local community in the area um, rather than like a massively profitable global business. Fair. So like break even or even if Rob's just bleeding a little bit, we're good with that? No, we can, you know, <laughs> incentives are good. Like it'd be nice to have a nice sustainable profit at the park, obviously. Um, I'm not pretending it's like a nonprofit initiative, but... Uh, <laughs> at its core, at its core, it's a community initiative. Um, we're gonna have dev workshops here. We're right next to the two schools, uh, the two colleges, Vanderbilt and Belmont. We're like two blocks away from each. A um, lot of workshops, education, private events, public events, the meetup, bringing local businesses to sell their wares for Bitcoin. I mean, we had a cocktail bar here accepting Bitcoin, uh, family coffee shops, stuff like that. When you say family coffee shop, what does that mean? Literally, the whole family works there. <laughs> so it's a, it's a separate business from Bitcoin Park. Yeah. So there's there's three local coffee shops that we've been working with, and we have, you know, so I like to call we have two buildings here, right? I like to call it the campus, right? Mm -hmm. The Bitcoin Park campus. Um, in the other building, there's a fully functioning coffee shop that just like came with the property. So we just stumbled into this coffee shop with a full espresso machine. Like that's a really expensive espresso machine. It's like a fifteen thousand dollars espresso. Wait, machine. Like they just left the espresso machine behind? No, no, they fucking bought it as part of the building. My friend. It's like included. It's in, it was included in the deal. They they wanted to leave us as many things as possible. Like these chairs we're sitting on were left with with from the previous tenants. Um, this table we brought, but it's like one of the few things we actually brought to the park. Uh, it was in Rod's garage previously. Um, but anyway, we had a fully functioning coffee shop, but like, we're not trying to run a coffee business, but we enjoy coffee. So what did we, what did we decide to do? We reached out to three different local coffee shops, all family owned operations. Um, they come in, they man the coffee shop during our events. They supply us bags of coffee for throughout the week when members are here and they're working and whatnot. Um, and one of the families, uh, is straight up they have you know they have they their children run the whole operation they roast the beans they do everything and none of these coffee shops were bitcoiners ahead of time so they came in we're like we just want to support local business we have this new money called bitcoin and we got them hooked up to accept bitcoin and and now they're slowly getting orange pilled it's pretty cool that's epic yeah you guys are fulfilling the mission of bitcoin park the one you just learned about 30 seconds ago yes. in this conversation. Yes. Got it. Almost as if he curated that story to fulfill and come full circle from the mission he shared originally. 
<laughs> so like yeah, back in the day we had a lot of these like Bitcoin embassies like in 2014 and stuff pop up all around the world. Um and a lot of them just weren't sustainable. They didn't like survive. What what like where was an embassy? What did it have? Like I, I was not in Bitcoin in 2014. I was a degenerate. So we had one in New York, you know, that I wasn't involved with, but that existed in New York. And they had like an ATM, they had hardware wallets on display, stuff like that. Um, but it was mostly just a storefront. Um, oh, they had these things called, uh, I forget what they called it, but it was uh, certain days you could go there and you could trade Bitcoin peer to peer. They had like a little stand. Someone would stand up there and they would like shout orders like uh, like the pit. Wait, wait are you serious? Yeah. That's incredible. Wait, was this like a LARP? Like, but a LARP in the best possible way. Like people would literally stand in the pit and be like, ah, bah, 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 and I don't know. I was never there for it, but I... I heard go about with- it. It was it was all the way downtown in Wall Street, and um, I don't know if people if you guys know New York, but like if mm-hmm. I had no reason to ever really be in that area, um, it's got, it's kind of like a whole separate part of the city. I'm gonna choose to interpret I've that as frequented. yes. It's exactly how it went. But down. there was one in Montreal that I went to that the Bull Bitcoin guys uh, before Bull Bitcoin existed were running. Like Francis is running that one. I think it still exists. Um, the Montreal one was interesting because when I was it must have been 2014 or 2015. Uh, we were at a wedding in Montreal with my family. And they, at that point, they thought I was just a crazy young kid that was into this, you know, fake money on the internet. And they saw like the Bitcoin storefront. And like that was what gave it credibility. They were like, <laughs> they were like, oh, he's not crazy. I was like, ah, oh, thanks, Ma. You know, like you, we, like you didn't even. Anyone can open a storefront. Like, how did that? How did that create the credibility? You, I mean, you could have literally just paid someone ahead of time and like, yo, just put up the signage right. in front of this for twenty four hours. But anyway, my point is, it's not really a new idea, but we are seeing a resurgence in it, and we're also seeing a resurgence in the idea of merchants accepting Bitcoin. And both were kind of false starts in 2014, 2015. And I think this time we actually have some real momentum. And I think with the park, what's really key is that that we do have you know, this, a more sustainable model, which is, you know, annual dues for a set amount of members, only a hundred members. Um, and they, they make the park sustainable. And also just this bear market is different than all the other bear markets. There's, there's still a lot of sustained interest. You know, you're actually able to, um, you know, run one of these things without completely bleeding money. I want to unpack, you know, that idea that it was a false start. Sort of the last time you saw transactions happening as merchants started adopting, and was what was the sentiment then throughout Bitcoin Twitter, throughout just Bitcoin in general? Was that the moment where it was over exuberance and not a lot of humility and work being done, or were there just mistakes being made, bad attempts, poor projects that led to the ultimate failure? So and, I, wait. Before you answer that, because I know our audience is desperate to know, what were you wearing when this happened? Uh, who were you wearing, I should say? And what what year was this? When I what walked past Montreal. Sure. I mean, I, I guess when you, as you recount this story, please let us know whether you were wearing like Louis Vuitton. Definitely need a hat update. Like yeah, walk me yeah. through your hat each time. I have no idea what I was wearing. Um, He's lying. I plead the fifth. All right. Um, All right. But uh, no, I mean, the difference with the merchant adoption back then was it was it was mostly BitPay, um, which, you know, 
had made horrible decisions as a company since then, um, to say the least. It was mostly BitPay signing up like big names. So they would sign up like AT&T and they'd be like, AT&T accepts Bitcoin. And everyone on Twitter and Reddit would go crazy. Reddit was bigger back then. Bitcoin Talk, IRC, um, you know, the channels were a little bit different. Bitcoin Twitter was didn't really get off the ground hard until like 2017, but it existed. Um, and like people would get super, super fucking excited about this new major corp accepting Bitcoin. But like the corp wasn't really accepting Bitcoin. They were just integrating BitPay and then receiving dollars on the back end. And BitPay was presumably, you know, giving them some kind of sweetheart deal to get it because the press releases were good for BitPay, perceived good for Bitcoin. Um, so there was no real buy-in from the corpse and they weren't holding Bitcoin. They were just immediately converting it to fiat. Um, another issue that I think, uh, another issue is we obviously didn't have lightning. Um, and, you know, the lightning privacy discussion is a very nuanced discussion. Like it's not... It shouldn't be considered like a private privacy panacea. Like it's not a perfect solution. Um, but on the sender side, when you're sending with Lightning, you do get some, all things equal, you get some privacy improvements. Specifically, it's hard for the recipient to know, you know, which Bitcoin funded that transaction. Um, so you don't have that liability that's attached, that data liability, that trail of Bitcoin history that's attached to it. So if you notice... Um, a lot of the newcomers, I mean, obviously we have BTC pay server since then, which is massive. I mean, we have a sovereign way for merchants to accept Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin. Um, but if you see the newcomers like Ibex and Strike, uh, they're going lightning only. They're not accepting on-chain. And because they're not accepting on-chain, they don't have to deal with situations of you not paying the right amount. They don't have to do, deal with situations where blocks are full and the confirmation isn't happening right away. They don't have to deal with situations where... Uh, they might feel compelled to use a chain surveillance tool because they have this whole history there. Um, so I think from that side, you know, Lightning being at, and obviously like Lightning's not perfect. Uh, I think there's still a lot of work to be done. But on that side, it it really sets us up in a more positive foundation. But on top of the whole thing really should be, I want to see merchants accept Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin. Ideally, I want to see them do it in a completely sovereign way. Uh, but even if they use something like Ibex or OpenNode, hold the Bitcoin afterwards, hold a portion of the Bitcoin afterwards. And in that way, I know me personally, like I'd be more likely to spend at a merchant that is partaking in the in the Bitcoin circular pot economy. They're actually holding Bitcoin. They're using Bitcoin to to buy their, their goods that they need. Um, and I think that's the difference. The difference here is there's a real push towards this circular economy rather than immediate conversion to fiat by megacorps like microsoft added bitcoin support they didn't really you know they were just their pay was facilitating us to market you know just sell our sell our coin right at time of purchase boom done so going to that route a little bit further i want to sort of hear your experience as somebody who's been deeply associated with the space for so long um we're in a bear market right now, and it feels very different from the bear market last cycle. Which is your first bear market. Last cycle was my first bear I'm market. I'm just trying to mind my P's and Q's. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. I'll tell you which block my first pie was on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Don't you're, do that. You're, yeah, no, you're <laughs> to everyone like, listening, don't do that. <laughs> so fucking Q is over here like, look, this is how much Bitcoin I own. I use a single single wallet. Well, I'll tell you I, you I, use, I use this. I use this hardware wallet. I use this desktop wallet. Don't do that. For the listeners, never fucking do that. Do not tell anybody what you do because it opens you up and creates larger attack surface. What P is trying to say is when he gets kidnapped and tortured, he will give up my UTXO because I gave it to him <laughs> free. <laughs> one so. Yes, also that. But I, I guess like, I'm just very surprised how much like fervor and interest there is in, in this cycle, even as we are in a bear market. And you mentioned lightning, you mentioned that being a, a large aspect of that. But I'm curious if you have thoughts just in terms of the, uh, kind of the cultural milieu that's that we exist in right now and how that's different from the last cycle as well. Well, I, first of all, I'm a strong believer in the, the four-year halving cycle. Um, it's crazy because it's planned. Everyone knows it's going to happen, but it's still not priced in appropriately. Like it just, for whatever reason, like people are fucking idiots. You know, I, I kind of believe the concept of if we have truly free markets, they should be efficient. They should price in everything instantly or theoretically instantly. But it just doesn't happen for whatever reason. And maybe I, I, I'm i I'm kind of a believer that as we go further along the Bitcoin adoption cycle, um, the overall cycle, maybe it does start to get more efficient and more priced in just because there is this concern that happens every time we have a halving that oh, the mining death spiral, will Bitcoin survive the halving, you know, all this other stuff. And as time goes on, uh, obviously people's conviction in Bitcoin grows and their confidence in Bitcoin grows. So that should edge out to a degree. Um, I think, first of all, obviously, every cycle, more people adopt Bitcoin. So we just have a net absolute number of more Bitcoiners, period. Um, I think that number just goes up and to the right, always, pretty much. You know, Obviously, it'll go up and down short term, but long term is just constant adoption increase, right? Um, so we have that. The second thing is this is not a typical Bitcoin bear market. This is the first Bitcoin bear market that exists in a global macro crisis, bear market, recession type of scenario. Like we've been in the most, um, you know, we've been in, in arguably the, the longest, hardest, strongest bull market in human history on the macro side in Bitcoin's existence. And this is the first time we've had a bear market where we've not been in that situation. So regardless of your views, if we're in an all-out recession, um, if we're in a macro downtrend, whatever it is, we're clearly not in the kind of raging bull that we've been in on a macro side for however long because of money printing and whatnot. Um, so that's the second reason. And I, I think I think what happens is you, you combine the two of those, right? You have adoption combined with the fact that we're in like a macro crisis mode. And it comes down to, okay, like, okay, my Bitcoin holdings are down, but like, if you hold Netflix, that's like down 80% or something crazy. I don't know the exact numbers. Like Apple's down, Google's down, Twitter's down. Like everything's fucking down. Real estate's like people are getting scared on real estate. And at the at the same time, we have all these inflation concerns. We have all these other concerns. So when you have all these concerns, it's like, okay, Bitcoin is hope. To me, Bitcoin has always been hope, right? It's something I'm optimistic about. It's something I'm positive about. It's It's something that's good for our future. Right. So when you have all this disaster and crisis and bullshit surrounding you and then Bitcoin is that light, then, of course, people are still going to be interested when the price is down in this situation. Right. 
But there's definitely, you definitely see a downtick in terms of the amount of people active in the space compared to maybe six months ago or something like that. Absolutely. Like there's a significant, there's a significant drop. But the, the, the thing is, is like the people that, people that stick around during these moments and they don't actually have to be active. If they're just passively stacking, like that works just as well. But the people that are are still focused on improving their Bitcoin situation, accumulating Bitcoin, like those are the people that end up doing the best or the people that stay around during these times. Seen it time and time again. You're an old ass man. Old, old ass man, yeah. No one's older than you though. <laughs> no one's older than P. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. But there's plenty of people older than me. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll touch on that. Like, it doesn't matter what time, you, when you come into Bitcoin, you'll always think you're late. And I'll, I'll borrow from someone else. I forget who said this, but uh, the meme, we're still early, that continues until people are mostly earning Bitcoin rather than buying Bitcoin. If you're buying Bitcoin, you're early. Yeah. I think, I think that's the. I think that is such an important point. And even as we were heading up to, you know, 69K nice is <laughs> people would would come in and they'd be like hey like i you know it's too late i haven't bought enough or I, I don't have enough or i shouldn't be buying bitcoin i think you're absolutely right that until everyone is being paid in bitcoin until the expectation is you're paid in bitcoin and when you're paid in us dollars it's like ah oh, fuck man like i got this job that for whatever reason like won't pay me in bitcoin until we reach that point we're still early so let me ask you guys this does the collective get paid in Bitcoin first, or do we start to price our goods in Bitcoin first? Chicken or egg? So unit of account versus medium of exchange. Yes. Um, I think unit of account first. Um, I don't know. It's definitely not my... Like Murad has that great chart. Where does Murad? Where does Murad put it? <laughs> I'm just. I think. I think they kind of happen at the same time. Um, they kind of happen at the same time, but in my mind, unit of account comes first, just because I'm earning mostly Bitcoin right now, but I'm not earning 100% in Bitcoin, and Bitcoin's been my unit of account for a while. Like yeah. I price everything. Everything's priced in Bitcoin. Right. But I mean, I, I, I'm more mean in the sense of like mass adoption. Like when is it? Right. But so like, I'm maybe I'm a microcosm of, I'm a sample size of one of the mass. Right. So how, right? how long And I think it's unit of account else? first. Okay. Um, but it probably isn't. <laughs> that's, I guess, our, that's our answer. I guess, I guess it probably isn't. I mean, some you're, people, you're some people like, I mean, if you get paid in Bitcoin or whatever, a lot of people that get paid in Bitcoin, including myself right now, my actual, like the contract is priced in dollars and it's the Bitcoin at the current US price. So that would point to the other way. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's definitely someone who's going to be listening to this is like, Matt, you're just completely wrong. And I just, I felt like it was all 100% gotcha question. So to whoever you are, you're right. I'm wrong. Bitcoin is going to become the money of the world regardless. I don't really care which one comes first. Um, but I think we all agree that um, pretty much most people agree that the store of value comes first. That Bitcoin is treated as uh, a wealth-preserving, wealth-accrual mechanism before it's considered medium of exchange or unit of account. Okay, so 
is a very eloquent answer. I want to shift topics and talk about the specifically around food. I know that you've been like, you know, significantly involved in the beef initiative. You've been doing some amazing work. Um, this is not water, by the way. This is mezcal. That's right. That's right. Who 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 brought that mezcal? Oh, we do have water too. Uh, I think Q brought the mezcal. Piece of shit. <laughs> he brought you the mezcal. I don't drink, so this is gonna be a really fun. Van has mezcal artisanal. Yeah, can I have water? We're having our our producers is giving us water right now. Thank you. Hello, the incredible, the only, the undeniable, Mills. Ooh, that burns so good. This is Fiji water. It was collected by orphans. Their tiny hands can fit between the rocks. Okay, I sidetracked that... you. What was your question? I'm, I'm, I wasn't done. <laughs> orphans. <laughs> orphans you... mine the best water and also the best Bitcoin. Okay, so here's my question. Um, there's this. There's a level of kind of fascination with the food supply around Bitcoiners. Oh, right. Right? So here's my question. There's a level of hypocrisy significant amount of hypocrisy that exists within Bitcoin around food. I have been shocked, nay, appalled, that people are not more willing to adopt insects <laughs> as a food source. Look, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I feel like there, this is actually a serious question. I feel like there is this anti-insect uh, focus because the WEF, which fuck those people, have been trying to push insects as a food source for very long. I'm so sorry. Did like P discovered that he can like own the niche of the pro insect uh, Bitcoiner? No, look, here's the deal. <laughs> look, look. He's people- like, no one else is doing it right now. It's wide open for the taking. Hey man, no. I, I gotta be the socialist Bitcoiner. He's gonna be we're, we're gonna we're gonna cut all this out. Look, here's we're the definitely point. not cutting this out. We're not cutting this out. It all stays. You know, this all stays. Um. Why do you think there is such pushback against the idea of insect protein as a food source? And I say this within the context of things like lobster, crab, used to be considered garbage food. Yeah, they would like feed that to the slaves. Exactly. And for very good reason. The cows. Lobsters and crabs, they literally eat human shit off of the ocean floor in the bays that humans... And shrimp. shrimp. I mean, this is just anti-shellfish that doesn't... No, no, no. no it's no. pro bug. You, no, no. Look, don't. Shell- this is the man who ate dog food live on air. Uh, that yeah. was disgusting. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. Okay, so so here's my take. I'm a pragmatic person. I believe everyone should have the freedom to choose whatever they want to put in their body. Um, I think a lot of the concerns over this insect food thing is that it's being almost. Being forced upon. It's, it's being prepared to be forced upon people. 100%. And I think it will be forced on lower class people. Just like lobster was. So just, yeah. So I, I think what I want to see is I want to see as many people as possible have access to good food, good nutritious food, um, and have choice about what they actually consume. And I think... Bitcoin as a tool of individual empowerment on the wealth and spending side is key to that plan, but also like a key to that mission, but also is supporting local 
family farms and ranches that are doing proper sustainable practices, doing regenerative agriculture. They're not introducing chemicals to their soil and to their to their to their animals. So you actually have like really good quality food. And we've gone away from that. Like the the fiat incentives, the overregulation has resulted in this corruption of our food supply where the majority of food that people eat is just absolute fucking garbage. Now, where it looks like we're going is we're going to have similar absolute garbage. It's just going to be built with bug protein, right? And I, and what I would say is we should just move away from the absolute garbage, period. Um, when is When is this episode going up? Next this week. is a perfect time to shill the beef initiative that's going to be in Georgia. It's going to be uh, in Bluffton, Georgia, at White Oak Pastures, which is one of the largest regenerative agriculture uh, ranches operations in the country. Um, September, uh, like the second week of September. And if you go to beefinitiative.com, you can go to that, and I recommend uh, people consider it. I went to the Beef Initiative uh, in Colorado. It was an absolutely special experience. Uh, it was really cool. You got to meet all these family ranchers. Um, we taught them something about Bitcoin. They taught us about food and ranching. Um, it was a true honor to participate in that. It's a really cool, cool movement. Um, basically empowering the rancher, empowering the consumer, bringing them together. I think if I was going to distill Beef Initiative in one word, it'd be coordination. It's just bringing empowered individuals together, coordinating them, and helping, you know, just neighbors helping neighbors. It's just really fucking cool. And doing that. And um, you can just have fun eating your bug protein. But I'll, I'll just, I'll just, <laughs> no, no. me and my family will consume high quality, high quality Look, animal protein. As someone who has. I'm going to come over for dinner at the Odell's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not, not peas. As someone who has uh, been lucky enough to benefit from the generosity of the Odell's, uh, I will continue to eat your incredible, uh, <laughs> high quality beef initiative protein. Uh, but you've, ac you actually have kind of succinctly given me an answer, which is the pushback is not based on. The Have you ever watched that movie where they had the train and they're going around yeah, fucking, in the ice whatever. age or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And like the rich people are eating the good stuff. And then, and then the it's like all are... the poors are eating bug protein and they yep. don't know they're eating bug protein until they revolt and then they see it and then they revolt even harder. Right. hundred percent. That's kind of where we're going. No, uh, what, no, no. But, but I think just, I think you make a really good point, which is the, the power or the, the thing that is so compelling about the beef initiative is it's connecting consumers of high quality protein directly with the producers of high quality protein and, and disintermediating that process. Cause right now in America, like if you're buying protein, if you're buying meat in a, in a, in most stores, supermarket, yeah, in a supermarket, you, it has gone through so many fucked up levels of, uh, like this just Byzantine production process and it's not high quality protein. And so I think that the. They'll like take the cow in America, they'll like ship it to China for processing, like <laughs> ship it back. Exactly. Even like the. And we see this so much in our society is even things like the um, butcher's box, right? Mm -hmm. Which is supposedly targeted at people that care more about uh, their food, their food supply and whatnot. Like that comes from fucking Australia. <laughs> <laughs> like they make it seem like artisanal, you know, quality beef or whatever, but it's like those are Australian cows, shipped to your door and packaged and shipped to your door, and they are super fresh when you get them six weeks later. <laughs> that was me being facetious. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I would, I would, 
there's something to be said about, you know, we are trying to build a robust system in Bitcoin, right? A robust system that uh, you can rely on and and you can have confidence building, you know, building your future with your family on this system, right? And when we look at all of our other systems, we have, a you know, a corruption of systems throughout our whole lives. And one of the key ones is is our food our food supply and how we get food and how we judge which food is good and 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 how we consume that food. And a very easy way of improving that situation is to get back to the basics, have sustainable local economies, right? And we go back to the circular economy. So beef initiative is really interesting because Bitcoin is an aspect there. Like we are helping provide so i'm more integral in the beef initiative process because i mean we have mills here like we we're creating the tennessee beef initiative right so they have the texas beef initiative tennessee beef initiative is going to be the first one outside of texas uh but the goal is for this to be global like as you know like like i said there's going to be a georgia event um so like i've been getting i've been getting heavily involved and one of the key things is is so not only does the beef initiative provide education and coordination, but there's also a full tech stack because a lot of these ranchers, like they understand personal responsibility. They understand the need uh, for tools that protect them. Um, but they have a full-time job and that's running the farm, right? And they don't know how to set up a website or accept payments or ship out things. Um, so there's a full tech stack that's provided that not only lets them accept Bitcoin, that's optional. It also lets them accept fiat, right? Gives them that full direct-to-consumer stack. And then on top of that, you also have the exposure if they choose to join the Beef Initiative and be a part of this you know, global community that cares about their food reliability and their food quality. Makes sense. I'm sold. What I'm hearing is that when I have my insect milk farm, you will have other Bitcoiners who want to eat insect milk and you will have your own circular economy. And the Odell's, the Q's, the Mills, we will have our own circular economy where we trade, buy, eat, and sell beef. And I like to goods. think that all of Q's family, their first and last name is Q, so they're just the Q. <laughs> yeah, 100%. No, yeah. no, that, that, I'll joke so like I, That'd be just great to go over for dinner. It's like, ah, uh, the Q's, they're so nice, you know, they hear. <laughs> Papa Q, Mama Q, <laughs> Mama Q, Brother Q. Q1, Q3, Q4. Yeah, yeah. Now, all joking aside, that, that, that absolutely makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, the idea of disintermediating food production. No, I mean, you're wrong about the insect thing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I will not be silenced. I mean, But Jesus it's not please. as, I would say that, you know, like Bitcoin is, we have a very diverse group of stakeholders, Bitcoiners of all walks and lives. I mean, we have vegan Bitcoiners, right? Like, it's not like all Bitcoiners. Uh, are necessarily pro beef, but I think I think most Bitcoiners are pro quality food that's not you know corrupted well, by bullshit. So yeah, I want to unpack that because I fully support the seed oil disrespecters and everyone who is anti seed oil. Very necessary. We're just an anti seed oil community that also likes Bitcoin. Okay, continue. But no, no, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm the point I want to make is seed oils is only one part of the recipe that has these preservatives in it so like i'm just gonna call out someone like joe consorti who like will talk about seed oils and then literally post a picture with a monster energy drink and i right. feel like there's a lot of no, no no the last time he did that he he, he crossed it, it out was water he it was crossed water. out monster right. and wrote water you're right you're right it so that water. made it water but that 
that, yeah, the course. point I'm trying to make is like there's so many other things that have these. I mean, we have like a process. Bud Light seltzer here. Totally. Right? It's like, like you guys we're are making using me drink the Bud Light alcohol. seltzer I don't as drink alcohol. The Bud Light seltzer was like the light compliment to the mezcal. Yeah, <laughs> the garbage kind. Con- the garbage um, compliment. What is in Bud Light Seltzer? Water, cold fermented cane sugar, natural flavors, cane sugar, citric acid, sodium citrate, malted rice. So not as bad as other things. You're telling me that's like better than the seed oils that you It's definitely better than seed oils. I'm not a nutritionist, just disclosure. <laughs> disclosure. Consult your local nutritionist. Uh no, I would um I think look, there's 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 like look you're smoking like the jewels like there's plenty of places for us to improve but i've I've noticed this with like the bitcoin privacy discussion is like don't let perfect be the enemy of 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 good yeah and like we can improve slow and steady every little improvement does help so you don't like i probably shouldn't be an alcoholic right like i'm willing to admit that like i probably drink way too much um but i enjoy it and life is short but like, at least I'm not, you know, eating the bugs or eating seed oils, and I'm helping whoa, 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 whoa. local family farms, you know, you be know. sustainable and flourish, and 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 then I get the benefit of good food. You fed Which, me that seed seed oil filled meal in the box. What feed? What what box? <laughs> Red hot chili peppers. What meal? Oh yeah, I did. Well, <laughs> so wait, wait. You know, they don't have good food at. At, at Nissan Stadium. So what are you supposed to do? We're just going to starve? I guess we should have brought our own box lunch is what we really should have done. But it was our first time in a suite. No, <laughs> no, no, that was, fuck, no, that was fuck chaos. That. You guys both fucked up. I was not able to join. I'm sorry. You should have clearly brought your own cow. I don't know if you the, can do into that. Into the box, slaughtered it live. I don't live, know if you can do that. Built out a, a fire and then roasted it. You definitely can't do that part. <laughs> I mean, we lit and some if, fires in that if, box. If you're doing anything less... You're not a big one. But I did look at the menu because I was involved with ordering because I just can't help myself. I was also really hungry. I was so, hungry. Um, I was so glad someone And did. we ordered the like what was perceived as potentially the best quality stuff. Like what we had like pulled chicken and pulled pork was like and it was just like in a bowl. Right. Like we could have gotten chicken fingers that were fried in seed oils, French fries that. that were fried in seed oils. That. Yeah, there was like <laughs> we could have done worse. I think for stadium food, we did pretty good. Once no, again, don't great. let perfect be the enemy of good. Okay, I'm just being an asshole here. I'm going to ask one more question, and then I promise I will shut up about insect milk. Yeah, this is supposed to be a Bitcoin conversation. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, oh, I'm, is so mad right now. I'm, I'm not mad. No, beefinitiative.com, yeah. Google. You should definitely uh, check Georgia. it out. Georgia, don't do. use Google. Yeah, you really should check it out. It's fucking awesome. It's super important. Back to my bullshit. There's only 100 tickets. They're going fast. If I were to have... I used to have giant hissing Madagascar cockroaches as pets. What? <laughs> no, if I served a meal that was homegrown. Of course he did. <laughs> homegrown. He definitely had hand fed artisanal insects. I went to a place like that in, would, would uh, you would you eat them? I, like went these to, are, I went to a place like that in New York. There it was like it was called the no, Black Ant no, and no. it was it was literally like a high end place that incorporated bugs into the food. Yeah, but then it's they it's should all... have got shut down by the health authority. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, that fuck is, that. No, no, that's all shit. It was like, oh you here's a twenty dollar margarita with like fucking ants on yeah, the rim. The I'm cares? like picking out the ants. No, no, no. no, no. This, that's all shtick. It's all bullshit. Here's my question. He just wants to know if you, this is if literally you, what you just proposed. Let me let me no, rephrase no. it, Pete, because it is it is exactly what you proposed. the The difference is, would you eat it if Pete served it? To no, you? no, no. This is I'm not. I'm <laughs> I'd not, probably be less likely to eat it if you served it. <laughs> to We're gonna me. call this out. The point is, <laughs> the, the point is, 
if it was actually like these are high quality insects that are fed like human quality food and it's super <laughs> high quality protein. He is that guy who will you will go to his house. He will serve you chicken. And then I'll be and like, surprise, it. motherfucker. It's fucking bugs. Yeah, like, that's happening. Literally. Never eat anything. See, that, that's the problem. Like, you shouldn't dinner. like trick people into eating bugs. I'm never going to trick people into eating bugs. That, you're part of the just problem. Just before it hits your okay. lips, you're going to know. Let's I'm going gonna, gonna to call, call it on the bugs. I appreciate how, how receptive you were Thank to, you. to P's questioning. Uh, please don't cast that judgment on me. If you want, if you like what P's talking about, you can go to buginitiative.com. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll look, buy that. <laughs> look, I'm just trying to be a Good contrarian here. Pee. If you eat lobster, you're eating fucking bugs that he eats. Okay, so shit. then don't eat lobster. Like, eat high quality animal protein. That's the answer. Yeah. There you go. Lobster right. is super overpriced, too. You're basically just as a vehicle for butter. Exactly. All, All right. right. Shifting topics. So, what are we talking about? There was something you just said that I wanted to use that as the segue, but you said don't Google things. Can we talk a little bit about data and privacy and how reckless our generation has been? I've long felt like, our generation was going to be that first generation where when the president of the United States was our age, there was so much shit in their closet, but because they posted it all on Instagram and Facebook, like well, we haven't gotten matter. there yet. That's probably going to happen, but, but it will eventually, but like, no, but this. what's going to happen is the true psychopaths are going to be our, 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 are already our politicians. And it's going to become even more so because like every normal mm -hmm. person is going to have a million skeletons in their closet. And it's going to be like that one buttered up person who, did even more fucked up things, but they just didn't post it on the internet, is the one who's going to be fucking elected. Um, really high quality poor. That was good. Thank you. Um, I, uh, you know, it's it's not a good situation. I mean, I, I, thought, I thought that Snowden, what Snowden was like 2013, I thought the Snowden uh, revelations was going to wake people up. It really did nothing. Um, I mean, it woke me up. It woke some people up. Uh, but it didn't really wake that many people up. We have never been in this situation before. We live in a completely digital... Can you stop Can running you your chair the into the on? fucking Matt <laughs> Matt Odell has been generous I'm enough so with his time <laughs> to literally I'm sit down with my chair and it keeps hitting the <laughs> He ran table. into the table twice. Dude, this is more <laughs> offensive to me personally oh, than my insect milk apocalypse I'm so agenda. sorry. Continue, please. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Get your shit together, Q. Look, we've never we've never lived in a world that th is this digital, right? And we've never dealt with the repercussions of this type of digital panopticon and it's coming from all sides because we have these massive global corporations that are basically built on data monetization and then we have countries and governments that are also surveilling on us and they're working together in a lot of a lot of times it's either, they're either working together intentionally can you not draw on the table <laughs> with a sharpie I'm um we are they're sometimes working together um and sometimes they're pressured like we saw in the snowden docs like a lot of the a lot of the tech companies were were pressured and they had to sign a a gag order they had to sign an nda that said they couldn't talk about being forced to give up all this data. So I mean, when you start to when you start to look around, it's way bigger than Bitcoin, right? It's every thought you've had in terms of a Google search, it's every location you've been in terms of Google Maps. 
it's uh, P. We have a really nice like oak table in this very nice podcast studio, and P took a sharpie while I was telling you all this, and he wrote, "If you eat lobster, you fuck lobsters," um, which I really appreciate while we're recording, and I'm I'm trying to talk about an important topic that is digital privacy. Um, but yeah, we're wel- such pieces of shit. You're welcome, America. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a problem. Like if you if if you walk down your street, nine out of ten houses will have ring cameras, right? And what are ring cameras? Ring cameras are internet connected cameras that f- send all that information back to Amazon servers. That's collected, shared with cops and police without warrants. Uh, it's put in your permanent file. It can be indexed. It can be used against you at will. Um, 1984 compared to where we are today, like the world that 1984 thought is a fucking utopia in comparison to today. Today is like in 1984, the theory was that the government was going to force you to put wiretaps in your home. But in 2022, the reality is that people buy the wiretaps. They go through the trouble of installing them and then they brag to their friends about how great the wiretaps are. And they should, they should also install them in their house. It is fucking crazy. Like, (laughs) I remember reading 1984 back when I was a child in the year 1896, (laughs) and it was terrifying to me, that idea. And you are absolutely correct. In the modern age, it is (laughs) absolute. Matt O'Dell. That was a a really good idea. That was a really, really good idea. For our listeners, Matt O'Dell just took the sharpie away from me which i wrote if you eat lobsters you fuck lobsters and threw it across the room from me i will go get it in a minute i'll crawl under the table and and retrieve it but um yeah you you're absolutely right i mean it's unfathomable to me that people are so willing to embed listening devices and video devices in their lives in a way that not only affects them, it'd be one thing if it was a question of sort of like, hey, I'm willing to take on this burden because I hate myself. But things like ring cameras, they're just facing out to the street and they affect everyone. And it's crazy to me that that's just totally normalized. At this we point. essentially rolled out a full surveillance network of small suburban neighborhoods across the United States and it was done by people buying them and installing them <laughs> yeah. outside themselves. You fucking paid for it. You literally yeah. were like, hey, let me it pay It happened in like a matter money. of years. And like there was actually situations where Amazon would strike a deal with the police department and then the police department would go around and give people free ones. Yeah, Shut the like, fuck up. Um, yeah. 100% true. Because they're like, do you want your neighborhood to be safer? Like, then you should put a camera out. If you're not doing anything wrong, like what should you be worried about? Like it'll stop criminals. Also put um, one in your bedroom, just facing your bed. So my point is, is we've just never been in this situation before. And my optimistic take is we're all going to get burned so fucking hard. And then after we get burned and we touch the stove and we realize, okay, well, we shouldn't be doing this. Then we'll start improving as a society. And every time you see, every time these data leaks happen, every time these compromises happen, more and more people get burned, more and more people that know people that got burned, got burned. And hopefully... We have the education. We have the tools available for people to opt out, and they will choose to opt out as as they realize that need. And that's my optimistic take, but it involves a lot of pain, a lot of pain in the short term. So, 
I mean, do you really think that that's the outcome, that that's the direction we're going to go? Because I feel like as somebody who is personally- It's the optimistic take. It's the optimistic take. Okay. So what is your real take? Because what I will say no, is- No, no. That's the optimistic take. And the pessimistic take is we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, like, those okay. are the two takes. Yeah. I mean, because <laughs> I, I feel like I, I, I was a, I am a act, contrary to what you may believe, I'm a very optimistic person. But having been the victim of a, a number of very significant hacks, uh, I just don't see people reacting with anything other than this sort of uh, just wide-eyed bemusement. Like, I guess, I mean, I guess this is the real world we live in. Like, the government loves us, and if they say that these things happen and it's just sort of a part of life— it's it's all just part of life. I I I, I am shocked by okay. the reaction. So let me use let me use two examples. So, uh, or I can use three examples. The first example is China. They're way ahead of us. Um, there's a there's a a large growing group of Chinese nationals that have increasingly realized the need for better privacy tools and empowering themselves and opting out of this panopticon because their lives have been so destroyed uh, over surveillance because it came hard and fast for them. Like they can really feel it palpably. In America, I'll give my other two examples. Um, you know, we're a very politically divided country. On one side, uh, we're seeing the move to try and restrict gun ownership and people realizing the need for privacy on that front. And it will get even more. Like we saw, so we saw in like California, we saw uh, in California, they, you know, fortunately, Tennessee, this is, we have a constitutional carry state, but in California, you have to register if you carry a handgun. Well, supposedly that list of people and their addresses of people that carry got leaked and it was publicly available for everybody. Right. So if you care about individual sovereignty and you care about gun rights and you care about the ability to own your own firearms and practice that right, um, you immediately realize the danger there. And, and, the, and the firearm community has been very outspoken about it. they don't want firearm registries. They don't want lists of, of owners of guns. And, and they were proven right in this case in California. And I think a lot of people woke up to it when that happened. On the, so that's like on the right, the political American right. And then on the political American left, um, now that Roe v. Wade was overturned, we're seeing conversations. You know, there was a case with with a woman and her daughter where her Facebook messages that were not encrypted were used to prosecute her in an abortion case. Right now, you might disagree with the different aspects of both of those examples politically, um, but I I think it's pretty obvious to people that. As people's rights get infringed on using this digital panopticon, as they get burned, they realize the need. Now, Signal is a very – I'll do a fourth example. Signal is a very interesting trade-off balance. I think they've struck pretty good with it. I mean, Signal, if you're not aware to the audience, is a encrypted messaging service. Um, the hardcore privacy advocates don't really like it because it still requires a phone number. Um, and it has this other feature that I'm about to mention, um, but Signal stakeholders would say that they made certain trade-offs to make it more convenient and more approachable as a platform so more people had 
message privacy, that people were sending encrypted messages and they weren't leaking all this information all over the place. And But one of the trade-offs that Signal made is if someone in your contacts uh, adds Signal, you get notified that they add Signal. Now, I'm kind of a crazy person. I've switched phones many times, used de-Googled phones all over the place, but I've always kept my contact list. So I have this like ever-growing, like, I'm, I think I have like 3,000, 4,000 people in my contact list. And during the Black Lives Matter riots in America, uh, signal usage went up like crazy. I was getting notified left and right by, by oh, people joining so Signal, right? And it was like, okay, so they they were out there, they were protesting, they felt like they were being surveilled, they felt the need, they sought out this tool, right? So it will keep happening, and we do see it happen. It's just going to happen way slower than people think, and just people are just going to have to get burned like crazy. But I, I still think the optimistic take is, as people get burned, they realize the need. And then our job, if we're aware of this already, and we're trying to improve the situation, improve the status quo, help you know, make sure that the world our children and our grandchildren live in is a better world is to make sure the education is there and the tools are there. So when they realize the need, they're ready to go and, and they can move forward in improving, in improving their own situation. Yeah, that's, that's incredibly well put. Building out the tools in advance. And I guess all we can do in the meantime is encourage people to know how to use those tools and help educate them so that as they need them, they are available. Yeah. And I, I would just add, um, to quote Eric Hughes in the Cypherpunk Manifesto, 1993 he wrote this, um, is there is a massive uh, disconnect on people when they think about privacy. And his words were, privacy is not secrecy. Privacy is the ability to selectively reveal yourself to the world. So I have people tell me all the time, Matt, you're on camera. You're on voice. You're talking about privacy. How can you care about privacy? You're talking about privacy. I'm selectively revealing myself to the world. We are selectively revealing ourselves to the world. The key is consent. The key is not sharing information. You don't have to be a ninja. The key is I should be in charge of what information is sharing, and there should be consent involved. I should be aware of the trade-offs. I should be aware of what data is collected. I should choose which data is used and when it's used and what I'm getting for it. Uh, but right now, as the case is, is most people are just completely unaware. They're leaking tons of information left and right. And oftentimes, that's not just affecting them. It's affecting their neighbors. It's going to affect their children. It's going to affect their grandchildren. You send your DNA to a service, that service essentially has the DNA of your future descendants if they're not born yet. Even if they're not born yet. Yeah, if you get your DNA done right now, you are leaking critical information about your grandkids and your great-grandkids. Absolutely. Without their consent. They're not even fucking people yet. That's so wild to think, because you're right. If you and your wife unsuspectedly have each done it, and then later on down no, the line... No, it doesn't even matter. If you have done it, and all of your no, children going forward. Everything. But it's worse if it's your... If they would if literally, know, They would know everything about then you. Then the whole lineage is just fully... Completely. I mean, dude, completely. BlackRock bought out Ancestry.com like you don't they're think, massive data collection operations. You don't think that they're eventually just going to go after your your genetic data at some point? And, no, they already have. They bought it down. So, I mean, we're we're talking right now, sort of the doomsday scenario, the pessimistic option where we're all fucked. No, this is no. the optimistic scenario. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I'm, no, no, seriously. This is, this is the optimistic scenario. I, under, I understand that in the optimistic scenario, this is already happening. I'm an optimist. I, I understand. Otherwise, <laughs> I wouldn't be doing I. this right now. If I was, if I didn't think that we couldn't improve, if it was so far gone, I would just be living in the woods. I, I actually would go so far as to say you can't be a Bitcoiner without being an optimist. Because no, you have no, no, to, no, no you, you have to. You no. have to believe that there is a point in the future no. where this is going to get better. No, 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 no. I disagree. Like, then what's the I, point? I think... I think that pigeonholing the idea of a Bitcoiner, I think that is a mistake. And I think it does us all a disservice. There, Bitcoin is for everyone, even your deepest and most hated enemies. And that is one of the many beauties of Bitcoin. Okay. And you can be a deep, deep pessimist and believe in Bitcoin because it is the best option out of a shitty plethora of options. And you can be that person and you can be in Bitcoin and you can run a node and you can support the network. And you can be people like us who are more optimistic and are willing to show our faces on camera and have our voice recorded on camera. And because we believe that they, we Your are- Your voice doing, is being recorded with microphones. Yeah. <laughs> like your phone right now is recording everything on top of the recording of this. Hey, go hey, on. I, the I wasn't done. the video part. I, okay. Sure, these, are, these are details that are uninteresting. The point is- my pen is also a camera and it is, no, um, we, we can be those people. And I think that big Bitcoin is for all of us. And I think that that's an important distinction. I think that you don't have to be a specific type of person, whether you believe in. So I actually think, I actually think I agree with Q. Oh shit. Um, Give it to me. Tell me where I'm wrong. I think, I think there's a lot of pessimists that find Bitcoin like I was a pessimist before I found Bitcoin and then Bitcoin gave me hope and made me an optimist in the future. Um, like being low time. Presumably there are Bitcoiners that are using Bitcoin as digital cash and they're essentially high time preference Bitcoiners. It solves a need for them today, which is just buying things privately uh, without censorship or in a censorship resistant way. We don't want to talk in absolutes. And um, those people, I guess, could be pessimists. But if you are long-term focused on Bitcoin, there's a degree of optimism there. That is like, like why are you? I mean, if you're if if you're if you're stacking, if you're accumulating Bitcoin, you obviously believe that there's some reason you're doing that for the long term. Um, so there is a degree of. At least personal optimism, maybe. Maybe you think the whole world is going to shit. But, I, like, it personally empowers you. I mean, I feel incredibly inspired by Bitcoin. So, like, think about our peers that are not Bitcoiners. Like, I'm so when I, when I talk to people that I went to college with, when I talk to people that I went to high school with, they are very disenfranchised, very disillusioned, very pessimistic on what the future holds, very pessimistic on what corporate media decides they're going to be angry at, you know, this week or something. Um, they feel like they've gotten a, they the short stick, right? Like they've, they've just been destroyed as a generation. And then if you talk to Bitcoiners, like, of course, we're not talking, abs I'm not going to talk absolutes, but when you talk to Bitcoiners, like I feel like just 90% of our peers that are in Bitcoin are the exact opposite. Yeah, well, so like yes. I would never say a hundred percent optimist. Not not a hundred percent, but yes. a lot. It, it, Bitcoin is hope at the end of the day to me. It certainly is for me. I mean, I, I would be 
and was like profoundly depressed about the state of the world before I understood what Bitcoin was. So if you're I, watching this, if you're watching this dumbass interview right now, hey, you're probably an optimist. Hey, like if you're sitting down, and you're like, I'm gonna watch P and Q with Odell, and I'm gonna spend this time for however long this goes for. Like you're probably an optimist. And I would say that if you're a pessimist, first, like and subscribe to PNQ Show. <laughs> yeah. And then comment underneath comment underneath the video and say, I'm a pessimist. Let's see how many there are. I love you, Odell. There you go. Always be shilling. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. All right, so where do we go from here? I kind of want to ask you a little bit more though about like the the selective revealing because okay you you've been in this space and doing it for so long like you have created this sort of digital presence of who you are. I mean, we just attended a a funeral of a digital identity. Are you whose funeral was that? <laughs> I forget his name. It's it's so easy, you know. Now that he's gone, you just forget it right away. At, the, at this point, Rockstar is a, a distant and faded memory. But how are you doing with that? Are you still are you still angry? So we hosted Rockstar's a good friend. I would go as far as saying he's a brother. He decided he wanted to get rid of his digital identity. Very important uh, to be able to choose when you want to cycle through a new identity and what you want to reveal to the world, as we talked about. I was supportive of that. Um, usually when people have NIMS, they, you know, just disappear. They just stop posting from that NIM. NIM is a pseudonym, so it's a name that you choose that is not your legal name. It's not the name you're born with. Like, like he wasn't, like, P didn't come out of his mom, and his mom was like, oh, my God, he's so beautiful. I'm going to name him P. No, P decided that he wanted that name to be his identity. I'm pretty sure the same with Q, but his whole family might be named Q. I'm not sure. Um... So Rockstar decided to do that, and I was very supportive. Um, we hosted a physical celebration of his life and everything. He's done so much for this space. I had him on. I had him on my podcast, Little Dispatch. Uh, we discussed, you know, what was important to him, like why this mission was important, why he was doing the funeral. Spent a lot of time and energy on it. Read his eulogy. Hosted like forty-five people here at Bitcoin Park. And then today, this was like three days ago, and then today he got announced as a speaker at a conference. So um, what, what were the phases of grief? Uh, <laughs> denial, anger, yeah, bargaining. I am still... wholeheartedly in the anger, <laughs> in the anger part Saturday of the grief. I left Saturday and you were still ang you were at anger. Yeah, but that was before he had risen again. <laughs> um, so now, now I'm definitely, I'm just solidified. We're just cemented in that. In, in that in that zone uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that I did the, the denial hit me for a little bit and then it, it yeah was, but I was correct I was like I was pretty sure he wasn't I, I was pretty sure I mean you called that denial at the time but I was right dude I mean so it wasn't it, denial it was it was a correct gut it was what it was, was. It was you can realism. you can say what you want yeah. I thought it was hilarious I was watching you deny that he's he's really not he's not gonna not show up <laughs> and on the other side of the table I won't dox who it was but they were like well we gotta go back to the hotel and like you know we'll tell him we're gonna leave here and go to the go to the wherever we went after it. I was like, okay, so they're bargaining. I've accepted this. Who here is depressed? Yeah. Who's the depressed But really one? what happened was Q got rugged. I was right. 
Um, and it was it was a beautiful moment. Uh, Rockstar has done a lot for the space. I have a ton of respect for him. Um, I think his work on digital identity and explaining to people why selective privacy is important is extremely crucial to everything that that I've been focused on and a lot of us have been focused on. Um, and just to complete the to complete the thought and 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 to never stop shilling. Uh, if you would like to see him live, uh, TabConf uh, will be going on in October in Georgia, in Atlanta. It's a great it's a great conference, and uh, you can go to TabConf.com uh, if you'd like to buy tickets to see a presumably dead man <laughs> uh, speak about very important topics. Look, people have been saying that cyborg technology is not nearly far enough along for us to be able to reanimate a corpse, and Rockstar is going to prove you all wrong. Ooh, okay. Get ready. Let me ask you a different question, Adele. Um, <laughs> I know. Shut up for a second. I tried. Shut up I tried. Yeah. Uh, you literally like told him you were ready for his question, and then you're like, "I'm gonna ask you the question." 100. <laughs> that is exactly what happened. Story of my life. That and P are muted. Pretty much sum up my day to day. Adele, where, where will you be during this momentous occasion? The the resurrection. As far as I'm concerned, the resurrection already happened. It happened when the tweet went out, right? It's a digital it's identity. It's a digital identity. It was a digital announcement that he is not dead. Or maybe he was, and it's a resurrection. Um, so one thing that I think is... Are you trying to get me to do a... <laughs> yes, he's trying to get you to show one more thing. No, we, we can just wait till that's more tasteful in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so can, can I ask the question that I've now since forgotten? I'll allow it. But watch yourself, counselor. It's key to always show, but it's key to keep them tasteful. You know, you gotta... like he's done. He's done it like very simply, smoothly. It's like, like good, they right? don't realize we've collected money from both the Tab Conference we and have the Leaf not. Initiative. I don't think we have. No, we haven't. We no, they are not sponsors. You should generally. It does like that is money that's out of my fucking pocket. So, so just to recap, all three shills have not paid any money. Uh, <laughs> TabConf, Beef Initiative. Tabconf.com, beefinitiative.com, dispatch.com have not paid money. Oh. All three shows. Uh, are you serious? Wait, no, he did He did show that, but he, there was a fourth. What was the fourth thing I recapped? Oh, like bugginitiative.com. <laughs> like and subscribe, <laughs> if I could ever say that word, down uh, below. Yeah, this, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I assumed you guys hadn't paid yourself money. We that haven't. would just be dumb. <laughs> no, we haven't. Uh, yeah. no, no money. And I have not received any money for that show. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair enough, fair enough. Nor will you. <laughs> never gonna happen uh okay okay please uh, ask your question is yeah. is the future of you know people's safety as we talked about get the getting burned the the less so learning digital safety and identity <laughs> i am so sorry yet again for the child that sits to your left viewers right i'm an adult <laughs> um is protecting our digital identity like will that every man have to have a name to a degree. Like, will we get to that point where it's so necessary if you want to have some semblance of... Would the every man have a digital identity? Like, no, no a, a pseudonym. Like a genuine name separate to what they have already created once we realize how far we've gone. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the optimistic case is that people will have many, many identities. Um, and they will use them for different things where they want to use them. And 
right now, you know, we live in a society that mostly, you know, the state decides your identity system. Um, and the way you live your life is, is, is it's, it's really hard to use multiple identities uh, in a day to day. I mean, if you want to talk about living your life privately, like try paying your property taxes privately or having a birth certificate for your child privately or uh, paying your mortgage privately or registering to vote privately. These things are very difficult. Our society is set up to basically create all these data honeypots that you're a ostracized crazy person if you try and opt out of these different things. Um, like I personally think it's completely normal for someone to have a kid and not have a state sanctioned birth certificate for, but I think most people right now would say you're fucking crazy if you said that. Right. Um, so I think we are going to slowly move to a world where people it's more commonplace and it's going to be people choosing People will choose to opt out of that system, choose to have multiple identities until it gets normalized. There's a lot of things that we currently think are normal that were crazy at some point and people chose to do them. And as more as more people did them, it became normalized and it became a, a common occurrence. Now, we need tools to make that more accessible. Right now, our most common digital ID is a phone number. And that's like insanely centralized, right? You have... People will have a phone number from the, you know, from the time they get their first phone, which is increasingly, increasingly younger, which shouldn't be the case either. But that's people's personal decision. They can do that if they want to. And that phone number tracks them through their whole lives. They use it to sign up for services. It's it's at this point, it's almost more of a social security number than the social security number is. Right. It absolutely is. And that's like a complete that's obviously a completely centralized system. Most of them, you can get a phone number without connecting it to your legal name, but it is very difficult. Yeah, and the the status quo is like it's basically full KYC, identify yourself with your legal name, provide all your information. That's connected to the phone number. If you use the phone number, then that's connected to all the other information. So we need tools to disintermediate that. And one of the promising projects is decentralized ID. And I go back and forth on decentralized ID because the first major use case of decentralized ID, I'm like 99% sure will be like pure dr like draconian, dystopian Wait, panopticon can you, bullshit. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, it's going to be like state states are going to use the decentralized ID infrastructure and force it on us. And then we're going to have a digital ID where, and we saw this in the the aftermath of COVID, the COVID response or whatever, where if you wanted to go into a restaurant uh, in New York City or other major cities, you had to provide you had to provide this pass. You had to provide this connection to your digital to your to your identity. And some places, including New York, um, had a digital version where it was an app and it had a QR code. And actually, it was even worse as a privacy-focused Bitcoiner because it was powered by IBM blockchain. Oh, sweet Jesus. Um, just to add on top of that, right? But where they were essentially wanted to know who was in what establishment when they were in it and all attached that to your legal ID. Now, they had a lot of issues rolling that out because they didn't have the infrastructure. So I'm a little bit concerned that uh, you know when when you make when you make powerful censorship resistant robust tools, uh, they're going to be used by many different people for many different reasons, and by design you can't control how people use them. But the beginning of decentralized ID will probably be marked by these states that wanted to push digital IDs but didn't really have the infrastructure chops to do it. But if someone gives them an out of the box solution, they're like, yeah, go to the DMV. 
scan your driver's driver's license and then every time you do anything we want you to we want you to check in with this thing so we know where you are where you're at what you're spending on all this different stuff but ultimately the i actually see a lot of resemblance to decentralized id in bitcoin where bitcoin you can use bitcoin in a fully pro surveillance way all your all your uh transactions are tracked how much you have is always tracked at a, at, at a moment, but you can also use it in a freedom-oriented way without permission. And with decentralized IDs, you have essentially the ability to, to spin up what amounts to a, a public-private key pair, uh, which is similar to how Bitcoin works. And, and that can be associated to a certain reputation, a certain ID, identity that you want, and you can use them selectively. You can spin up as many as you want. Um, and I think that will become more and more commonplace, where like people will essentially have uh have different identities um and and different organizations events services whatnot will not only honor the the state sanctioned identity like if you want to think of decentralized id on a high level the way i look at it is okay so you have this cryptographically verifiable identity that you can create at will as many as you want we all have those and we can each endorse each other um, obviously you guys are just letters, uh, but you could say like, Matt's a good dude, but also, um, Citibank could say that Matt pays his mortgage on time. And the landlord can say that Matt pays his rent on time. Uh, a teacher could say that Matt was a good student or whatever. And different services, different people will respect those different attestations of, of, of your credibility rather than just, you know, the New York DMV said that Matt lives at this house and pays his taxes, right? Yeah, well, that makes sense. I'm curious, though, like... And that's the optimistic take. I, I was going to say, you, <laughs> you slipped the pessimistic take yeah. in there. You right. brought, you brought well, no, up, like, that's the, opt the optimistic take is it starts, it starts with draconian panopticon surveillance state shit. But then it morphs into freedom tech at scale. And the pessimistic take is it just goes to that first step and stays at that first step. And that every transaction we do is tracked, logged, used against us. Every message we send, every location we go to, every photo we take, every time we answer the door, every time we go out. I mean, I think the reality is that is already the Stop case. Stop using my own stickers and sticking me with them. Hey, I'm just trying to promote Citadel Dispatch, which is a fantastic podcast. Everyone should be subscribing to it. Available on all podcast apps. Just search Citadel Dispatch. It's your favorite yeah. one. All joking aside, legit, one of the best Bitcoin-focused podcasts in existence. Um, I mean, we're already in that state, right? Like, the <laughs> I love that you're giving me shit, and then you're also like... Yo. But they're like wasted stickers otherwise. No, they're not. These are, these are high-quality stickers. Uh, the point is... We're already in that state. And the reality is like people, people, fuck you, Q. People labor under the delusion that these systems are separate and that the government does not necessarily have access to your quote unquote private information, but they already do. And I think there's a lot of legal cases that would, that support that claim. Let the record show, Matt Adele literally just checked his watch to see how much longer we are going. No, that's not what I did. I had I was supposed to do another recording, and P told me not to do it. But we are we are at a great point in this conversation to continue going, and if I hadn't canceled that other responsibility, we would be fucked. 
I take full responsibility. Yeah. He should because it was all P's fault. Yeah, 100%. So that's why I checked. All right, fair enough, fair enough. I think this has been a great conversation. I hope I hope the audience has agreed so far. I mean, I, 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 hope, I hope from what you're saying, which excites me, is we're not done yet. I don't. I mean, I don't think so. I think we're in stride right now. Absolutely not. So one of the there's an there's an episode you did recently uh, with Rockstar before he was hit, before he died and then resurrected. Yes, <laughs> those are your words. <laughs> not mine. Uh, where he encouraged. If he did a resurrection, he should have at least done it like outside of a cave. You know, done it the full nine yards. I one hundred percent agree. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Where he basically advocated for everyone creating NIMS to explore different aspects of their identity yeah, and different things that they were interested in. And I think this is a really interesting idea. It is not something that I have ever done, but I think that it's something I'm curious whether you have explored that yourself. I'm trying to get you to dox yourself. What are your NIMS? And uh, I've had many NIMS. Um, this was the only one that I didn't have the wherewithal to cycle out. Um, I'm I'm not trying to do a gotcha question because the the key is the key is when it comes to NIMS, like they should be temporary things. They should be, you should be getting rid of them and starting fresh ones. You should have many many NIMS. People should have many. I mean, they can do whatever the fuck they want. But it's really empowering having many NIMS. Um, and like a perfect example, a perfect example, an easy to grok example if you're on Twitter, is this idea that when you like a post, it tells everyone that you like the post. Right? Like you should be able to, f and I know all of you have thought about this, when you press the like button, you're <laughs> like, everyone's going to be notified basically that I like this post. What are the implications there? And that's ridiculous, right? Like you should be free to explore and and learn and improve and do all these things without necessarily having this this element of social pressure that maybe you may or may not consented to. Um, and I, I think that is obviously like a smaller example than that, right? But like you should be able to be free to do these things and and having having many different NIMS is an easy is an easy answer to to doing that in today's age. Yeah, I just I listened to that episode recently and, and I really like the idea that of encouraging people to explore creating multiple NIMS and that being a normalized behavior rather than something that is sort of like, wait, why do you have multiple names that you do not connect? Like, what are you trying to So hide? you want to know the positive take on this? Yes. Um, Esports and drone racing. I'm so excited to hear how this is connected. <laughs> the top 10 in the world, almost all NIMS. No shit. Now, like that's that's a generation that decided that their their passion, their their main thing that they're focused on, like regardless if you think they're legitimate sports like playing League of Legends or drone racing, I would I would argue that drone racing is pretty fucking cool. Like it's Yeah, I love kinda cool. I love video games. So. Um I just wish the drones had missiles on them. I think that would make it more exciting. One hundred percent. They're all they're all nims. I think like Fortnite, the Fortnite championship or whatever was like won by like a fourteen year old in Argentina named, you know I don't Grand know. Grand Slam Boner Jam. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's like Eagle Flyer or something. That's just a Native American name. I don't even know. I, whatever. But you know, it's like uh, he had he had a nim, right? He had a nim, and it was normalized. It wasn't like it wasn't like he wasn't uh, on camera though. 
Like he didn't like show his face. No, he he showed his face, but it wasn't like his you know Paul his, one. His it was blah blah one, right? Like that was his, and like he had fans that came there to support his name. They didn't come there to support his legal name. Right. So there, there's a normalization happening in the younger generation already, for sure. Um, at least in the gaming world, and the I would I would like like drone racing is probably the gaming world. That's probably still the same demo. I mean, I ha- but you you see that. I certainly had an interesting experience doing the programming for Bitcoin 2022, which is I was surprised by the number of, you know, I had to interact with a lot of high profile people, whether it was, you know, Bukele, President Bukele of El Salvador's team, or, uh, you know, people associated with any number of political figures who were like deeply confused by the idea that my name was a simp was a letter. And they were like, yeah, what the fuck is going on? Like, what are you trying to hide? You know what you should have said, right? What's that? It was a birth certificate fuck up. <laughs> no, that uh, I didn't even get the chance. I feel like that just ends the conversation. It's like, ah, uh, yeah, I don't know what my mom was thinking, but she fucked up the birth certificate. <laughs> my mom was drunk, mom was <laughs> drunk when she it. had me, which explains. That's the liberty this. you get to take when your NIM is a single letter. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I, I was fascinated by that. Like, even in the Bitcoin space. Can you can you stop just like oh, slamming don't, hammers don't all you, over don't the Don't you place? try to turn this on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I, I I think that I love the idea. Slow that we, and steady, like it'll get normalized over time. Yeah, I think that's the optimistic take. I think you're right. I think you're right. To be honest, I've just been imagining these uh, drone races as like early predecessors to. I'm a Star Wars fan, so like pod racing. Yeah, love that. Love that. Every like fit it, you, the references that you make are either like basketball, NFL. Star Wars. That's it. That's all you got. You have about 30% of my personality. Yeah. You don't make very many references, though. Like, like, uh, sort of like broad, you know, uh, cultural references. Do I not? I don't think so. I don't know. There's like hundreds, if not thousands of hours of me publicly speaking, but if you say so. I mean, look, P, you, you have homework to do. Look, I mean, like you, you're publicly, you hate sports, you hate gambling, and uh, wait, wait, what? Wait, I'm, I'm totally. I'm, I love that I you guys to, take. I love. Every, I skipped over the sports thing, and I was like, I love gambling. <laughs> I, I one of my favorite things, by the way, is the fact that you and Q can't seem to tell at all when I'm just like fucking. It's really hard because I worked very closely with P for a while now. Um. And it like really wasted a lot of my time. <laughs> I know, no I, shit. It's like fuck. Why was I listening? That was bullshit. It was like completely unnecessary. It makes me so happy. And uh, yeah, it's like the I would say it's the fifth most common topic of conversation when we are hanging out like privately. It's sort of like the references to like God fucking damn it. Like why did I waste my time attending to what you were saying? <laughs> All right. I'm glad to know that this is not just like a personal experience with Pete, that this is a very consistent theme. So look, here's the thing. (laughs) I think it is important that we are all challenged to critically examine everything that is being fed to us at all times. And I view it as a personal, like, responsibility. I don't know if this is bullshit or not, right? (laughs) 
You don't even it's know. Like it could just look. Neither do I. Neither do I. Like, Let's this, be real. This is the issue, right? This no, is the no, issue. Look. It's like he could be making an important point, or I should just not pay attention. I've, like I don't 100%. even know. Right now, look. Like, look. He's so good about like setting up the punchline. Yeah, like, like, exactly. I'll give him credit. Like, I'm now, just look, not even gonna listen to this. Look, <laughs> he, here's the thing: if you don't know me well enough, there is always a deep nugget of truth in everything that I'm saying, and I'm just figuring it out as we go. I'm saying I'm saying stuff, and then I will turn it into some random comment that makes it uh, not really relevant. My point is, I would hope that we are all critically evaluating everything that we're hearing around us at all times. I think that especially, well, actually, I don't want to say especially in the Bitcoin space. I think this is this is more prevalent in outside of Bitcoin, but we have a tendency to lionize the people that we identify as heroes and to not evaluate critically the individual statements that they make and the decisions that they advocate for. And I think that's a, that's a huge loss. And my own random personality leads me to say random shit all the time, but that's kind of the nugget of what I'm trying to do. It's like, I want everybody to be critically evaluating everything that everyone You're says. like the teacher who like says bullshit so that people don't always just assume whatever the teacher says is the good thing. I think that that would be a very presumptuous thing for me to argue because I'd be lying if I said I knew, I, I thought these things through as I was saying them. But that's the positive take. That's the optimistic take. <laughs> that's what we've been talking about this entire time. Mm -hmm. That is the optimistic take. Oh, the name, name of this episode is? The optimistic take? The optimistic take with Odell. Oh, I'm so happy. Literally nothing you've said has made me happier than when you pulled the cork out. For the audience, <laughs> every time I've pulled the cork out uh, in front of my mic, the, the, the boom, you've heard every time has been me trying to induce Odell to do this because it's like this, uh, what's the word? What's the, the person who rings the bell? Alcoholism. <laughs> Pavlov's dogs. Pavlov's dogs. Yeah. I have listened to your fucking <laughs> podcasts for so many years and that like, is such a like visceral experience for me of like, let's fucking get into it. Like this is going to be an uncensored real conversation. So I'm super excited that you just pull the bottle. And did love that. the, love, love the bottle pop. Odell vetoed me trying to hotbox this room. I did try earlier. Yeah. yeah. You fucking idiot. You're trying to do this in like a, like this is like a million dollar fucking studio we're in with like expensive audio equipment. Everything around us is fucking gorgeous. Shout out Bitcoin park. And you're over here trying to fucking blow. Wait, 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 wait. If that is something you'd be interested in, there's <laughs> going to be an opportunity for that in the future. Um, stay tuned to this channel to to see that. Wait, I feel like you didn't seal the deal. I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about or not. You, you can talk about whatever the fuck you want. If you haven't figured, say whatever you want. If if we have to hold this podcast until a certain date, we can do that. No, I don't. I hate holding podcasts. So no, I'm not no, we're not, we talked about this. Okay. No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. Look, there might be there might be a conversation with me and Q in the future oh, that yeah, resembles. No, I, I don't. That. I don't want to say that. Yeah, I don't want to say that. Yeah, God. see, I'm good. I'm like God. Yeah, no. fucking this is damn amazing. It. What people don't realize is they're like Matt. You say ridiculous shit. Uh, like yeah, but I've I've had many hours of being drunk on air, and there's a lot of shit I don't say. <laughs> pretty good about it for the most part i've had my i've had my uh my low points but there's there's been pretty good about it oh, okay all right all right i thought you were basically saying like, a, lot of, a lot of secrets up here 
Can you can you say that again, but like slur just a little bit more? No. All right. All right. Fair enough. Um, I don't play by nobody's rules. It's, it's understandable. Um, so a question that I like to ask, what have we not talked about in this conversation that you have? Nope. I got, I got our next topic. Oh, fuck that. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. This is a real question. It wasn't a real. Okay. <laughs> what is something that you have not? You're, you guys are looking at each other like. Wait, like you're asking me a question to ask. A, oh, but continue. Just go. Just yeah, ask no, me no, a no. question. What We're is something? We're just giving you shit, man. Just, what just is keep something? drinking your mezcal. What is something? Ask We're question. almost done with the bottle. Which I'm impressed because I. I've taken like two sips of the. Yeah, you haven't drank anything. I'm not gonna drink it. It's pretty lame. Yeah, you literally have an entire fucking I mean, glass. I've been drinking this. Personal choice. You have your choice. I, I'm using. He's been say, drinking a single can of Bud Light Seltzer. And, and I've been using my vice. Plenty. How long have we been going for? What is that over there? Only an hour and thirty minutes. An hour and thirty minutes. You've been sipping on that single Bud Light Seltzer. There's Congratulations. No, there's no, oh, there's one more. Here, I'll go get a second. No peer no, pressure. Wait, wait, okay, ask I'll, the question. Ask the question while the, Q the question is, is going like to replenish himself. The question genuinely is... Which means it was empty, by the way. So he hasn't even been sipping it. 100%. Um, what is a topic that you feel comfortable... Wait, what? Continue. <laughs> you just did the... <laughs> yeah, but, okay, go on. No, no, no. Like, I don't think this is a real question. Continue. It is a real question. What is something that you haven't had the opportunity to dive into recently on the many podcasts that you've done and the public appearances that is super important to you personally or to the Bitcoin space. And it can be a niche thing. It can be within the, the within the larger concept of privacy. Uh, it can be within the, the, under the aegis of, you know, sovereignty. And if the answer is there's nothing, that's totally fine too. I don't know. So while you noodle on that, I'm constantly I'm constantly trying to explore things that haven't been explored. I don't like, um, like part of the reason I started Solo Dispatch was because I was, I felt like there was, there was a hole in just public discussions and conversations in the Bitcoin space, and I thought I could help fill that hole. I didn't want to do what everyone else was doing. I didn't want to. I, I I didn't want to just be talking about the same things that everyone else was talking about. Um, but I don't know. I I mean, personally, I think what specifically had been lacking for a while was uh, the food and the local community building kind of part of the equation. But I've just gone like ham on that. So that's not lacking now. That is actually... It's a fantastic answer, and that is something that I I have recognized in you. You have, I mean, when we moved here, we moved to Nashville at approximately the same time, and there was a very small community of Bitcoiners here that was mostly focused around Bitcoin Magazine, and you have done an incredible job of, you know, working with Bitcoin Park, working with Rod, working with Mills, and the people that are involved to really build this out into a... Uh, a new and unique kind of mecca for Bitcoiners. And I think it's pretty impressive. So Yeah, you, I don't like 
I'm a simple man. I like I like target something and I'm like, we need to do more of this and I just fucking do it. You know, I just see where it takes me. And then if I feel like that has been sufficiently boosted or sufficiently improved, then I move to the next thing. Um and like I don't think people realize like how much like how much individual action can actually make a difference. And individual action obviously always starts with an individual, but it you know, when you have like-minded individuals come together, like real change actually can happen. Not like bullshit whining and complaining and arguing with people for like bullshit internet points. Um but like actually doing things and being consistent about it. It makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. But it all starts with the individual. You gotta... I mean, the crazy thing for me is that... Like, I feel like no matter uh, how much I do, like, it's fucking... Still not enough. It's always not enough. Um, But you have to just remember. Like, when I say these things, I'm usually reminding myself of these things. When I... When I... When I... When I talk publicly, I'm usually talking. This sounds conceited. I'm usually talking to myself first. When people say like, "Oh, Matt, like, why do you say stay humble all the time?" You're not a humble person. It's like, yeah, well, that's why you got to stay humble. You know, like that's why you have to repeat it over and over again. Um, is because we're all not humble people. Most of us are not humble people. I am definitely not a humble person. Uh, most of us are hypocrites. Like, we need to be less of hypocrites, right? Um, try and be consistent. Try and do things that matter. Try and improve situations. Try and, you know, hold the door when someone's, like, trying to walk through. These little things, they do add up. Like, you hold the door open for someone, like, there's a great documentary called The Butterfly Effect. Like, it it just it goes further and further and further. Like, as you... There you go. I gave you a reference. It's made me so happy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the these things I've do matter. <laughs> Okay, do you have a real question you want to ask? <laughs> wait, wait, hold on, hold on. That was a real answer, and I think it was a phenomenal one. And I also want to acknowledge, like, I think that the kind of, like, nonchalant attitude that you have um, does not do justice to how much effort you put into this space. I mean, we were just talking about before we went live the insane travel schedule that you have ahead of you over the next two to three months and I think that you get a lot of credit for all the work that you do in the space, but I, I honestly feel like people don't realize like how much of yourself you give to Bitcoin and to educating the people around you. And I think it's it's quite remarkable. I, I, I mean... I appreciate that and I appreciate you. The feeling is mutual, my friend. You can go fuck yourself. Ask your question. <laughs> I love you too, Q. I'm kidding, of course. Um, I want to talk KYC. Um, without saying all the things that I use, I definitely don't have the best practices of my own. You and 99% of other people. And so, 
at a certain point, is it better to onboard someone for the sake of- What is KYC? Know your customer. What is know your customer? Essentially giving up your information to- Use a service, ID. Bank account. Address, email, phone number, selfie maybe. Social security number. Social security number. Like what type of your child? <laughs> Not that part. Yeah. Which testicle hangs <laughs> yeah. lower than the other? How much hair you have left? Like my favorite thing to do when I do deal with my normie friends is I'll get if they already have Cash App, it's so easy to just convince them hop on over. Like, is it better to just onboard someone, orange pill them, get them sort of into Bitcoin, knowing that that's probably at some point you've got to correct the path that they're on? Or should they just start off on the right path when it may be a little bit more, it may have a little bit more friction and therefore less people will have that appetite? I mean, so this is a very common question. Um my favorite part about my public experience in the Bitcoin space is that I have a lot of people that disagree with me all the time, uh, oftentimes vehemently, uh, very uh, passionate about disagreeing with me. Um, sometimes it flips, like they'll agree with me on one thing, they disagree with me on another uh, I like the hot button issues. KYC is one of them. Um, I we we shouldn't be. I you know, Harry Potter was mostly a shitcoin, uh, but I think the aspect of of Whoa. not of not saying I'm trying to do as many references as possible. <laughs> the aspect of <laughs> the aspect Sorry. of of not saying Voldemort, saying he who must not be named. Love that. Um, I think is a is very relevant to today's culture. Like, there's a lot of things that people just don't want to talk about, um, and I think there really is power in just talking about them. Let's have open discussions about them, right? So KYC, this encroaching state-enforced requirement to provide intimate personal information to use basic necessary services um, is absolutely anti-freedom. It's horrible for this country. It's horrible for people around the world. It puts us at risk. Um like even if you're a status, like it puts us all at risk. Like it makes it makes America weaker. It makes us less robust. It makes us more vulnerable to potential enemies like China or Russia or other malicious actors that might want to steal our information and use it against our own citizens, right? Uh, but people in power have decided that their ability to control us, the trade-off of putting us at risk to our enemies is is worth it for being able to control us. Um this encroachment is not unique to Bitcoin. If you are using dollars and you are one of our peers who predominantly chooses not to use cash, I mean, we've seen with the younger generation, they don't use cash. Like, I, I'm very unique. I'm very unique in this. <laughs> you in this just pulled, pulled out a lot, a lot of cash. Of cash. Of like, do you guys have cash? No. You guys have any cash on you? No, but my father would be furious. Uh, we have Mills. We have our great producer Mills over here in the background. I think I have wait, wait. Keep in mind if you don't oh, like I... the audio quality or video quality, producer Mills, she's in the background. I'm kidding. She's mostly just spectating. She did not handle mostly you can blame P. He handled most of the setup. Oh shit, you do have cash. Um yeah, look, you have cash. That's rare among our peers. That's because it... you like weed. Uh, <laughs> but um, be real. The the weed smokers of the youth. 
uh, have understood, you know, what it means to do P2P exchanges. And like uh, the samurai guys, like they get a lot of shit about a lot of things. But one thing they make a lot of sense about is they say like, oh, you say this shit is too difficult. Like every weed smoker in America has dealt with it already. 100%. And like you dealt with it because you had a need or whatever. But my point is, is this is a little bit long winded, but. KYC, providing all this identifying information, surrounds us every point of our life. Like you check into a hotel, you set up Venmo, you want to use any kind of digital payment mechanism, uh, whether that's PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, uh, Chase Quick Pay, bank account, right? Like you're providing all this intimate information. You want to travel on a plane, you're providing the intimate in information. Maybe they're going to pat you down, grab your crotch. Like people are giving up all this information everywhere. Now... Bitcoin was a microcosm for a while because we had no KYC. There was like, you can, it was just, everything I was, I, it's hard for you guys to realize. No, no, I know. I mean, it was. But you go back to 2015, 95% of services. No KYC. And it was a big selling point of Bitcoin was like, this was the non, this was that, that, that non KYC parallel economy. Right. And I then KYC swept in. It swept in super fast. People called it regulatory clarity. They said it was bullish, you know, and it got normalized super fucking quickly in Bitcoin. So it's a very strong sticking point in Bitcoin. Now, if we're talking about using Bitcoin as a money that is independent of states and corporations, to achieve that, it goes to say that you probably shouldn't be giving intimate personal information connected to your Bitcoin and yourself to states and corporations. So if you're deciding to use Bitcoin as a non-state resistant, a non-corporate independent money, then that makes complete sense for you to use a fully regulated service. But if your goal is to have a money that is truly independent of states and corporations, that is truly permissionless, that truly allows access for everybody. And like, so KYC has two elements to it. It's not only the surveillance and control element, but it's also the exclusion and permission element. Uh, KYC policies restrict a ton of people from using Bitcoin with these services. Uh, it restricts them from using banking services. It restricts them... Um, I mean, during COVID, it restricted them from going to certain restaurants and certain bars. It restricted them from traveling to certain places, right? Um, it restricted them from getting phone numbers and basic services, restricted them from getting utilities. But it also restricted them from using Bitcoin. Uh, so the power of Bitcoin to me is that you can use it outside of those services. So what I would say at the most basic element, and I don't, I'm not a extremist on any one side, even though a lot of people probably would... Ironically, people that disagree with each other would pigeonhole me on both sides and say like, oh, like you're pro-KYC or you're anti-KYC extremist. I'm really like somewhere in the middle. I want people to be aware of the trade-offs. I want to be people to be aware of the risks. And I want people to be aware of the fact that it doesn't have to be exclusive per individual. Like you could have, you could buy Bitcoin through a regulated service and you could buy Bitcoin P2P in person. Um, and you can have two separate... Bitcoin stacks, right? And one stack might be um, you pretending you're Wolf of Wall Street, and the other stack might be you pretending that you're Sopranos and you're hiding your duffel bag in the wall. It's a fourth reference. Um, the like you can have that situation, like that can be 
how you choose to do it, and that's your personal choice. But what I would say is I'm really against the idea of when you're bringing friends and family into Bitcoin that you immediately just say, go to this regulated service, sign up, use my ref link, I'm going to get like a portion of your fees, uh, and off to the wolves with you. Go submit all your personal... No, what you really should do is you should send them a little bit of Bitcoin. Let them appreciate self-sovereign Bitcoin. Let them appreciate being able to download a mobile wallet, like Moon Wallet with two U's, and you install the mobile wallet and you receive Bitcoin without providing your ID, without providing any of this verification information, just like instantly. You're just, all of a sudden, you're connected to this global financial open monetary network. Receive some Bitcoin, be able to send some Bitcoin, like... That is fucking powerful. Like telling someone to go to some regulated service, give them all their personal information and, you know, set up dollar cost averaging. It's just like, like I know inflation is bad, but that's not, there's no empowerment. There's very little empowerment that's happening there. And they're missing, they're missing the forest for the trees of what the Bitcoin, of, of what the power of Bitcoin really is. And so even if they choose to actively go to one of these and they might ask you like what is my what is the best one and and ultimately it is a it is a uh decision that needs to be made do you this is a trusted third party this is someone you're trusting with your private information like it should be a active discussion that is that is educated decision right like they're actually thinking about who they're trusting with this information they might ask you that question afterwards but their first touch with Bitcoin should be self-sovereign Bitcoin, should be individually empowered Bitcoin. I could not agree more. Sorry, Jack, I tried to shell cash out. The problem with Bitcoin is when you just say Jack, you don't know which regulated service you're shilling. It could be Cash App or, or Strike. I, I think that is a... I don't know how to summarize what you're said, what you have said in a an, in a more eloquent way. No, I, but I, I appreciate what he said. Like to be honest, like it makes me think like differently about the way I would approach if a friend who has no touch point to Bitcoin already were to reach out to me and be like, "Help me figure this out. Help me set it up." At least you can explain to them more holistically what it's meant to do, rather than just. Here's a little bit of Bitcoin now off to the wolves with you. No, no, no. It's it's more than that. Here's a little bit of Bitcoin is actually a fantastic way to exactly. onboard somebody to Bitcoin. As long as you're doing it in a way that does not require K, you know, KYC and in empowers them to be self-sovereign. But saying like, oh yeah, you know, you want to understand Bitcoin, like, you know, go sign up for uh, you know, fucking whatever exchange. Over shilling cash up cash up. Sorry. You should not say go sign. <laughs> no, the reason the reason I use Cash App as the example is because they already have it. It's the yeah, number exactly. one app. Exactly. That there's the less, the there's less friction there already. It's like the app's already on your phone. That's genuinely why. But like, here's an interesting becomes. here's an interesting microcosm with Cash App. Obviously, you need to use KYC to use Cash App to begin with. But to use the Bitcoin portion of Cash App, you have to use even enhance. You have to go further. So they might already have cash up on their phone, but to actually withdraw their Bitcoin to their own wallet, they need to go through an additional level of KYC. So it actually doesn't reduce that much friction. It might reduce like mental friction of trusting a company because you already trust that company, but you're still providing you're still providing additional information. I just 
when you think about it, it's like the amount of people that their first touch point for Bitcoin was entering their home address, scanning their driver's license, and then taking selfies. And then we go on Twitter and we say, like, Bitcoin is fuck you money. Bitcoin is freedom money. Like, this is... This is like the future of money without the state and corporations involved, while the majority of people are going straight in through state and corporate surveillance machine. Yeah, that is a weird... It's just so hypocritical, and it's just a fucking tragedy. It's a massive tragedy, and and the thing is, is like, options are good, and people should be able to choose what they want to do, but, you know, we also talk about incentives in Bitcoin a lot, and money talks, you know, so most of the public people, they're talking about the KYC regulated services. Why? Because those are the services that make money. Those are the services that pay them. Those are the services that sponsor their conferences and their podcasts and their books. Um, so that's what's talked about. There aren't that many people that are talking about that you have other options, that you can earn Bitcoin, that you can trade at P2P, that you can mine Bitcoin, right? People don't talk about those as 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 potential on-ramps to Bitcoin because there's no individual incentive for them to do it. Um, and I just, I think it's important that someone who kind of, myself, who stumbled into having an audience, uh, talks about those situations because there's not enough people talking about them. Well said. Q, going I, forward. I feel ashamed. Yeah, you should. I, if I'm being quite honest, I genuinely feel ashamed right now. So I'm going to just sip and puff for a little bit while P takes over this conversation now. To be clear, he's not sipping on the mezcal. No, he's not. He's got a fucking like half full glass. <laughs> you and I are the only ones who've killed this entire bottle. No one likes a counter. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, I, I'm just reflecting on my own experience of getting into Bitcoin. Um you know, in, in my, my first exposure to Bitcoin was in, you know, 2017. And I did not understand it until, until, you know, a couple of years later. But I, I had the experience that I think you're speaking to, which is sort of this, this, this sense of expansive freedom of being like, oh my gosh, like you can, one can transact in value separate from the existing kind of Orwellian visibility of the state and i'm just realizing that after you know in this conversation like you're right the 99 or i don't want to say 99 the majority like 99 percent of newcomers yeah they don't experience that yeah. like that was the thing that blew my fucking mind it was like oh my gosh there is so and i, I came in as someone who's building like options trading bots and traditional equities and stuff and i was like oh my god there's so much liquidity in this space and it is free not in the sense of like oh where I'm, I'm i'm able to avoid regulatory uh, things so that I can do bullshit things. It was like, oh my gosh, this is actually m uh, money that can be used separate from state oversight, corrupt state oversight. And I, I am just uh, thinking about how, as you said, so few people have that experience today. Yeah, it's like our money is is essentially on non-Bitcoin money, right? Fiat money is essentially on these centralized servers that are controlled by governments, corporations. It's not our money. Uh, it's IOUs. While Bitcoin, like the money is in the computer. It's like Zoolander. 
actually in the computer. You have the keys. You own that money. I mean, I guess some people might say it's, it's on the ledger, but like your private keys are on your, they're in your computer. I mean, I hope not. I hope they're not in your Absolutely internet connected computer. No, I mean, I mean, a uh, hardware wallet is a computer. It's a purpose built computer. Absolutely. Um, I think, I think the, you want to talk about that. I think that's an interesting topic uh, to go back to your previous non question, um, which is, Some you know, this. Bitcoiners, Bitcoiners, we tend, we're obsessed with Bitcoin, right? It, uh, Bitcoin, a lot of Bitcoiners are are obviously obsessed with Bitcoin. We're very enthusiastic about Bitcoin. We go down the rabbit hole. We go super, super deep. There's so many different facets of Bitcoin and associated parallel systems that you can discuss and talk about and dissect and argue about. Um, but ultimately, to me, Bitcoin's value prop is in its simplicity. It's a money that you own yourself, that you have control of, that doesn't require permission from anyone else, that can't be censored by anyone else, that you don't have to think about. It's a robust, stable system that is just existing, and you can choose to partake in it and use it if you want to use it. Um, and when you go down this, you go down that route, you go down that route of Bitcoin and simplicity, like the majority of people are going to be using Bitcoin on internet-connected devices. They're going to be using it primarily on their mobile phone. Um, they're not going to be, you know, some people will choose to use hardware wallets. Some people will use multi-sig. There'll be all different options, shapes and sizes. People will have different signing devices, different configurations of how they use Bitcoin. But the overwhelming majority of people will be using it on 24-7 internet-connected mobile phones, period. They will download a mobile app and they will use their Bitcoin on it. And that trade-off balance between convenience and security will be way better than the status quo for the overwhelming majority of people. Um, and I think Bitcoiners pretend that's not going to be the case. Like that's that is that is the trajectory we're going to. If you choose to use your own node, you choose to hold your own keys on offline devices, print them in steel, have them geographically distributed. That's your prerogative. That's what we do. But there's going to be a lot of people that choose not to do that. And that's okay. And that's the reality. And But that's the reality we should be, you know, building tools and education for. Absolutely. Not us as much. Like, we, we still need our tools and education 100%. But, like, when you talk about, like, the next billion, the next five billion, you have to talk about mobile phones. You have to talk about hot wallets. You have to talk about improving those trade-off models. Yeah, and I think... <laughs> I love that you just literally just took her, you lost her wedding bed. Um, I think this is extremely relevant right now because we have tools like, or, or companies like Fetty that are building out, you know, federated Chamian mints, which create, which are a system that allows, it does a, a really good job of sort of being this middle ground. You know, you have sort of like these fully custodial IOU based Bitcoin systems on one end. And then you have people like us who are like, you know, or at least me, who's like, I, you know, uh, two or three multi-sig, you know, I'm attaching one to a seal, one to an eagle, one to a cheetah, releasing them. And if I deserve it, I'll, I'll, I'll get it back. Well, I like that strategy. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're welcome for my sacrifice. Um, and I think Fetty, you know, Fetty Mint, Fetty Economy Mints are this really, really powerful 
system that acknowledges, as you've said before, which is that people will take the path of least resistance. And so it is our responsibility as Bitcoiners who are interested in onboarding as many people as possible to this thing that is this truly this life raft, this financial life raft to creating these systems that help people do that in a way that that meets them where they are. And I think systems like Federated Chami and Mints are one of those examples where you can rely on these existing trust structures uh, to create these, these or rely on your you know existing communities. And I think that's really powerful. And I on that same note, I've been trying to think of an analogy that will re- that resonates with people around how important being able to have custody of your own, you know, um, money. And and I th- you know I read a lot of science fiction, and I I kind of feel like an analogy that works is if we were a spacefaring civilization, or when we are a spacefaring civilization, the idea that you should not have control of your own oxygen. I think today, people today would hear like, oh yeah, what if the government was like, yo, we get to control whether you have oxygen or not. And if we decide you will die of you know, oxygen asphyxiation, that is the way it is. The justice system decides that. I think people today would react and be like, that sounds fucking crazy. No, I think most people would be cool with that. Are you serious? It's for the greater good. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man. Maybe I give people too much credit. I feel like if if it was literally the idea that like you could literally not be provided with oxygen just because of like a government fuck up, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, somebody decided that this payment. Well, that they're you- about to do that with energy. They're literally about to do it with energy. We're going to see the case study in real time. I think you're right. But I think even energy is like farther removed because people have people. Yeah, like- oxygen is the core. I mean, what? Like they made the reference in Spaceballs where they had the. The bottled air. That yeah. the rich people drink the bottled air. No, no, no. But I Another think it's reference. Number six. For those that you were counting, your bingo card is full. You should be drinking right now. Uh, <laughs> but that's what it's like, right? Bottled air. I mean, we see it with water, right? Already. Like rich people drink bottled purified water. No, no, but I think it's different. I think of everyone else's water is contaminated. <laughs> I think of the ability to control and have privacy around with how so you transact. Fresh well water. No, no, no. I'm talking about oxygen in general. I know, but I just wanted to make sure that the water maxis knew that I'm aware that you can still have fresh water that's not bottled. Absolutely. Do you agree, though, that like I I think of a Bitcoin and monetary freedom as being akin to being in space and not having access to oxygen. And when people are like, oh, you you should have to KYC for your 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 money you should have to kyc for your bitcoin i think of it as like how would you feel if you had to like kyc for oxygen where provide you provide your id for oxygen yeah where you could literally die within four minutes four minutes you're fucking brain dead I think of it as the same same level of importance. I love and respect Odell way too much to let him have to actually answer this ridiculous hey, fuck question. You. Wait, why? I don't think this is ridiculous. Well, I appreciate your love and respect. I also appreciate your question. I think it's a valid um, question. I, I'm, again, I'm I think this to... is less of a question than a talking point uh, for the Maybe. three of us. But uh, like the absurdity of that. No, I mean, I think I, I don't think, think it's that absurd. Truly, I'm not. Really, I'm not being. You really think that's within the realm of possibility? No, no. So what no, I no, 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 no. I'm, I'm using that, it as an analogy. Like he's what using, is, it's a shitty analogy. So the, <laughs> so like Masir 
Mohamedov um, had a very, he had a great line of thinking. Very young dude, had a very great line of thinking like two years ago. Then he stepped back behind, uh, he stepped back into privacy and didn't want to, you know, be a public figure. And what he equated Bitcoin to was time. Right. And time is is the most scarce thing we have. Life is short. Right. Life is short. And ultimately, everything we do in our life is exchanging time for, you know, we're, we're exchanging time for goods and services, essentially. Right. Or proxy for that. Right. Or proxy for that. And the proxy for that for the longest time has been has been fiat money that's been controlled by corporations and and states. Um, and we've essentially been robbed of that time. So you spend, you know, you, you, you spend your time at work, you go to work, and then you get paid in this inferior good that is essentially rug pull by design. They're just taking, they're taking that time from you over and over again, and you're just losing that stored value that stored time that is lost right and bitcoin to he i think he perfectly encapsulated that bitcoin is is this embodiment of the value of time so if i put time into doing something i should be able to store that effort i put in in something that's equally durable and and bitcoin is actually equally durable in that respect and KYC steps in the middle of that and adds a state and corporate permission layer in between that exchange between time and the storage of that effort. So here's my rebuttal to that. People do not, I agree, time is the most precious asset that we have available. Like people think Bitcoin scares? No, no, no. Time. No, Bitcoin no. is a complete shitcoin compared to time. Ab yeah, it's time and attention. You can yeah, never. They're one and the same. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, Besides we... you, most of us try and stay as concise as possible. You try and add words. <laughs> I mean, things. I was about to say, Wait. like, I find that I find this fascinating that P values time so much, given how much of it he wastes. On <laughs> look, I've been talking. That's a good point. Wait here. Look, Professional my... rug pull over here, this guy. <laughs> I am absorbing your time and attention in real time right now. You're getting rugged. No, no. Look, I don't think. I don't think the average person values their time enough. And the reason I use oxygen Nobody as an doesn't. Example, nobody does. No, but people- Nobody like, doesn't. Nobody doesn't. <laughs> go watch- uh, Throw that it. on a plaque, put it on the wall. There you go. Nobody doesn't. Go watch- uh, Matt O'Dell. <laughs> go watch the documentary, it's based on Into Thin Air, Everest. Oh, I love it. I love both the book and the movie. Yeah, right? Go watch that movie- where they're literally like, once you go above a certain altitude, so many references. I mean, the book is a thousand times uh, better, one million percent better. You're absolutely right. John Krakauer. Has there ever been a movie that was better than the book? I'm not going to let you derail this conversation. No, derail it for a second. Oh, there has to be right. Oh, I got you. Although this is a terrible example, but Game of Thrones. Because the books never came out. <laughs> no, but the TV show is way worse than the books. What about no? I, I don't know of one. No. I guess National Treasure. 
Better or worse than the Declaration of Independence? <laughs> okay. That was funny. I did not see that coming. I'd argue I'd argue potentially the Marvel movies just because they were movies oh, wow. to come. There's like hard yeah, you, If you disagree with that take, post that in the comments. Yeah, 100%. Look, I'm going to shut up a second. I've been talking a lot. My point is... <laughs> I, I, I lost track of what you were saying. I don't no, remember what we were talking about. Look, it look, could look, have been look. sarcastic. We wouldn't no, no, this is not sarcastic. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will put it succinctly. Go watch the movie Everest, oh, where yes. literally the thing that kills everyone in that movie is they run out of fucking oxygen on Everest. And like, that's it. They run out of oxygen. They're fucking dead. They're fucking it's dead. The de so it's called the dead zone. There's no yeah, nuance. I'm, I'm a psychopath. I want to climb out Okay, Everest great, one day. great. But you understand, yes. right? It's like you go above, yes. you're in this area. There's literally not enough oxygen in order to survive. But some people climb it without oxygen. Yeah, yes. but no, no, they're dying. Yes. They're, they're, they, they, can, they can assimilate. Pace, they're dying. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Like literally, like, like when you go above. Most of the Sherpas don't climb it with oxygen. Yeah. They just no, pace, no. they're dying. Exactly. No, they they get up there and down pretty easy. The Sherpas? No, no, they get up and down pretty easily. But once you go above 26,000 feet... You only have so much time up there. You're literally dying. Like, you're, you you stop being able to digest food. Your body, your your brain starts swelling. Your lungs start filling with fluid. And it's literally, it's like the people that are the best adapted, the Sherpas who have grown up there their whole lives, they know it's like, yeah, yeah, you can spend this much time above this, this, this altitude and then there's nothing you can do. You're going to fucking die. And my point is that is the best analogy for KYC Bitcoin. <laughs> no, that is the best analogy for fucking Bitcoin. My point is people need to be thinking about sovereignty, sovereignty, and being able to control their financial future in the same way that they think Nils is literally like dying over here. Well, because serenity, sovereignty, mix up is like God that's a pretty funny right, mix up. All right. I've been talking about go ahead. Somebody else talk right now. No, 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 uh, no. So like Bitcoin is oxygen. I think that we is. We have Bitcoin is hope. We have all the memes. We have like Bitcoin is hope. It's Bitcoin time is time. Meme. P is Bitcoin is oxygen. I... And also buy my bug protein. <laughs> <laughs> That's his niche. I am not going to, I will never tweet Bitcoin is oxygen. My point is, I think that these types of analogies are useful to people because <laughs> they allow people to view it from a different perspective. That's it. That's all, my, that's all I'll say. I would like to say, and feel free to quote me on your favorite social media platform if you wish, Bitcoin is oxygen. <laughs> okay, wait, reality check. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, honestly, I'm going to beat everyone to it. I'm gonna As Odell always right says. I'm going to post it right now so that way people know what night we recorded this. <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. Real talk. How much have I been talking in this conversation? I, I think so, you've been good. You're fine. Do, wait, do we quote Odell or do we quote Pete you for this? Definitely quote Odell. I mean, he he it's said way, he didn't say it. It's right? way funnier if you quote Odell. Definitely quote Odell. Done. Mills, what do you think? Mills has already tweeted it. I might have already tweeted it. She Fair said enough. she might have already tweeted Fair it. Fair enough. All right, we've been. We, this is this rip has been going for two hours and five minutes. And Great Fight rip. Fight Club, the movie's better than the book. Fight Club, the movie's better than the book. I don't, I've never read the book by Club. Interesting. Thank you. Written by someone from uh, Washington State. Check panel. I right? mean, the movie's great. The movie's great. She's telling us things you can't hear. It's written by someone from Washington State. The book is a letdown. The book is a letdown. We're compared to the movie. Mills. You can follow her at, at Mills. At Specific Mills. At Specific Mills. You don't even fucking know. <laughs> This is your colleague. This is your compatriot in arms. And you're over here just... The key was that I tried to do the show. The attempt was made. I want to be clear. Thank you so much for joining us. Matt Odell with an apostrophe. Uh, 
Odell. Yeah. Harris Odell. What else? Uh, thank you for your patience and grace as well, sir. You are very graceful. No, it's been a pleasure hosting you guys in my studio on your show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll get we'll see ourselves out. Um before we wrap, I would just say um that you boys work at Bitcoin magazine. Um I've been working with Bitcoin magazine for a while now. Uh, we do have a fantastic conference that's going to be happening in Amsterdam. Um, and you can go to b.tc slash conference. Um, and you can use discount code Odell. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh, you would get a better discount code than both of these. Both of these. No, no, no. You, you know uh, the drill. You know the drill. You, so if you want to rug pull your <laughs> two favorite hosts, consider using Tino. My- Bleep out. Bleep out Odell's code, and you know, just Q, Q, can you use promo give, code BM Live and get ten percent off. Just use their promo code. You can have fun staying poor. It's fun. <laughs> Tito, make sure you you bleep out Odell's. <laughs> no, but honestly, boys, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I'm glad we made this happen. I'm glad we had you and Nash. It's been fun. It's, uh, to be it's here, not man. over yet. It'll be a good time. Um. Yeah, no, I love you both. It's been a pleasure. The feeling is mutual, man. Thank you so much. That's a wrap. Be sure to like and subscribe. Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Let me do this. Let me do this. <laughs> Let me do this. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe. Please invest in my own company, <laughs> Insect Milk. This is artisanal insect milk. That Bug is milk from the teats, from the teats of cockroaches by orphans they have the tiniest hands their nails are clipped it's just ecstasy you should buy that above bitcoin thanks so much for listening (laughs) (laughs) no no i'm not happy with that (laughs) all right all right again again beefinitiative.com yeah and stay humble stack sets beefinitiative.com don't invest in any of peace companies (laughs) Uh, yeah (laughs) But I, I'll, I'll second the like and subscribe part and definitely comment. Uh, we love your comments. We appreciate you, and I look forward to joining these two gentlemen again. Um, so if you do comment, if you do provide us feedback, we will use that going forward. The, the comments are just going to be like, remove P entirely from this, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast. And don't forget to mind your P's and Q's. Uh, he all said right. it. That's it. That's it. That's all we got. Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. I just want to let you know that tickets for Bitcoin Amsterdam are on sale now. The largest Bitcoin conference in Europe will take place from October 12th to 14th. More details can be found at b.tc forward slash conference forward slash Amsterdam. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your Bitcoin Amsterdam tickets today. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com.